You're listening to Private Parts, the show that's not afraid to go there. Produced by Irit Palak and Beth Gibson. had a conversation during Ramadan about climate change and I made some sort of comment like don't you think God's gonna feel a bit bad when like he realizes that his creation that his people has just like screwed themselves over and then you know he was just saying like no that'll be the end of one game and another one will begin. Sometimes we don't understand things, but that doesn't mean it's not important and doesn't mean we don't have to keep them. If God commands you to do something, you keep it, whether you understand it or not. Hey, it's Arit here. Today I have episode two of the Right Here experiment for you. The Right Here experiment is an ongoing mini-series that's really an excuse for me to find people who I, and hopefully you, dear listeners, wouldn't normally find in your social echo chambers. Today's episode is about being religious. I think I have more friends that are believers in the Saturn Returns than in any monotheistic religion. But you know, 6.9 billion people around the world identify with a religion. That's according to a study by the Pew Research Center. Being religious affects people in every way, from how they wake up in the morning to who they vote for. So in this episode, we're going to hear two conversations with people whose faith dictates how they live their life. The first conversation is with three people, Zara, Adam, and Rakaya. Zara and Adam are brother and sister. Their parents converted to Islam just before Adam was born. Adam's the older brother. So Adam and Zara both grew up as blonde British Muslim kids. Rakaya is Adam's wife. She grew up in Malaysia. Here's our conversation. So if someone was tomorrow to remove religion from your life altogether, what would that mean? But I, I, I don't even know what that means. I mean, like, it's too, it's too, it's too encompassing, really, because it's, it's your frame of reference for everything. You know. Uh, I don't know how I will... I, I don't know like what my life will be, to be honest. No, I, That's oh, Rakaya. This is silly, right? but every morning I wake up and I always make my bed because, to me, like I am thankful for another day. Like, say it away, when I wake up, I remember him. It's the lenses through which you look at kind of everything, so it's almost it's mm. almost impossible to answer the question, really. If we talk perhaps about... I don't know what you know about Sufism as opposed to sort of mainstream Islam. Yeah. No, I don't so, know well, so, and that's the... That's the, the the path that both of our our parents followed, and how they they they, they knew each other. Yeah. They knew each other. Um, so that's more sort of uh, spiritual. Yeah. I don't want to say version of the religion, but the emphasis is a lot more on sort of uh, how how the religion can be used for for self improvement and this kind of thing, as opposed yeah. to it's it's the, the internal workings of the religion as opposed to simply the rule book and that we believe that the religion as a whole is the combination of the both the combination of the rules but also the the ongoing quest for improvement for spiritual advancement for better betterment of your character yeah so it's so a big thing in 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 sufism is to be 
to be grateful and to be accepted of whatever whatever circumstances and whatever it is that the world happens to throw at you. Um, so the the example that I often say to people is that sort of when I was talking about exam results when you're when you're younger. So if if you pass them, alhamdulillah, which means thanks thanks be. But if you fail them, alhamdulillah, that's how it is. Tie your camel before put your tassing cot. So you, for example, when you say about the exam, you need to tie hard and then put your tassing cot. Not just put your tussing off. And do nothing, and yes, do exactly. Nothing. It's it not, doesn't work that way. It's not, yeah, precisely. And I, I think that every time I tie my bike up in London, <laughs> because I, I literally think, like, you know, a lot of bikes get stolen in London, but, like, I'm going to I'm gonna tie you up to the best of my ability, and then I'm just going to, like, trust. And actually, me and Dad had a conversation during Ramadan, kind of similarly to that, and we, we, were, we were essentially talking about um, climate change, and I made some sort of comment, like, a bit a bit of a stupid thing to say maybe but I, I was kind of like don't you think God's gonna feel a bit bad when like he realizes that his creation that his people has just like screwed themselves over and then you know he was just saying like no he'll just you know that'll be the end of one game and another one will begin <laughs> and oh, um that's so dark it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of dark but it's kind of it's kind of relieving as well it's kind of like if you if you look at something like that, you can relieve so much of your sort of personal investment in something, which as I'm speaking, I'm thinking, you know, maybe someone would hear that and say, is that a good thing to relieve yourself of that? I feel like I understand that to be a good thing for myself. Yeah, it's, I think I think you're perhaps not phrasing it quite how you mean. I mean, investment, as you say, sounds like a good thing. It's more, it's more the, it's not an excuse to not care in the first place or not try in the first place. Yeah. It's and a game is a great analogy because, you know, you don't not try in a game because it's a game. You try really precisely. hard in a yeah, game because yeah, it's fun, because it's competitive. Cause that's the whole point of it. That's the whole point. But it doesn't mean that it's, like, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Like, a religion allowing people to accept things and let go of things a bit more. One thing that, that I've, I've always struggled with is um, when someone tries to convert you or someone tries to, to, you know, tell you to become mm-hmm. something that you weren't before Isn't someone. it funny how much we do that constantly with, with things that aren't... Else. With everything else. With parties, with, with like... Every other aspect of life, but it's not okay with faith. I'm not, I'm not saying it should be okay with yeah. faith. I don't think it is right with faith. It should, like, I can understand that maybe it is, like, it can, nothing seems could be more important for someone that believes... Yeah. That faith is the most, you know, important thing. Like that, you'd want to share that. It'd and also, be... children are born into faith, so you don't get a choice. It was my choice to pray. It was my choice mm-hmm. to not do. It wasn't my choice to not party. Yeah. It wasn't my parents that was Muslim and say you can't do this. Yeah. My parents say you are big enough to decide what is right and what um, is I mean, not. No, no doubt, it may well be a very, very weighted choice. But at some point. Mm. In your life, you do you, you have, have a, a moment that you no or like no no not like one individual singular moment no because I I feel like I made more of a choice like um, opting out in a way was like a choice that I made um, to to what do you mean by opting out we were talking we were being brought up Muslim and so the identity that was kind of never in a pushing way but yeah. but given to us by um by our parents and they were they were always saying you know you make your own decisions 
but but yeah so I suppose to sort of stop actually living like to sort of move away from some of those things that that was the decision but in some ways I feel like I don't have a choice as well because um so I actually I did a kind of interview with someone about Ramadan this year that was kind of about like the motivation behind it It was really interesting because when I was talking um to her I was really realizing how because it's this thing that I've sort of kept you know and 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 realizing how the motivation for doing that had, had changed quite a lot and that yeah, when I was when I was sort of teenager, it was like a defiance of some kind in some ways. I think there's and, always a face. <laughs> yeah, and then and then like around uni time, it was almost like, I think quite a pathetic motivation. It was like a sort of like almost like a guilt kind of. And then hmm. after after that, I think it was because it was something that made me feel still connected to you guys, and then. Um, eventually it became like I'm doing it for me but that took a really long time and so it's weird because I obviously am making decisions but I'm also not at the same time it's just it's a very strange feeling and yeah there's been there's been some funny ones once I, I wrote I, I wrote a, a blog one year but because I um I stayed with a friend and we were we were we were both staying at someone else's house and um I was asleep in one room and then but but kind of waking up and then I could hear her talking to these two guys whose house it was and sort of they were like oh who's that who's sleeping and then she was saying oh that's my friend and she's really tired because she's been fasting so she's she's still asleep and just the funniest like listening into this like fasting like why on earth would you do that I mean just eat if you're hungry just eat just you know like just really like wow like void of perspective between you know and it was just amazing to kind of like hear that I was like what did you hear your friend try to like explain why <laughs> no she didn't she didn't really she was just yeah. I think there was no point like I think <laughs> they were kind of preppy kind of like overconfident probably um you know bankers and junior positions and gonna go yeah. on to like live that life that kind of guy yeah and that's the thing as well it's like you don't need someone else to understand if you do if you actually like if you understand what you're doing so, and I think it doesn't it doesn't like that didn't hurt like her it was just like wow <laughs> you know what's your view more generally on boundaries and rules so like I am not supposed to touch any men Mm. And unless they are related to me. But there's also the perfect teachers offending someone else. Mm. So I would not, like if a, a, an English person came up to me or non, a non-Muslim came up to me and they put their hand out, I will reach out because that is manner. Mm. And it's good to do that and you make that person feel bad. Yeah. It's your attention. We'll teach about attention, basically. If so, it's making, you're putting your hand out to make that person feel better, like not feel bad about it, then God understand that. Yeah, you're, it's, you're adapting to the context. And I, I think another good example of it is it's like, it's not, it's seeing what the, it's like the purpose of why is the rule there? Mm. And then, you know, does does that change the way you might sort of enact that rule? So... Um, like mum for example will you know in a 
in a setting with other Muslims, she she wear a headscarf, but when she's like doing her shopping in Tesco, she's not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's always said it's because you know the purpose of a headscarf, possibly you know within Islam, is so that you cannot draw attention to yourself. Yeah. Um, and she'd be doing quite the opposite yeah. as you know a middle aged white woman in Tesco yeah. in, in Somerset. In Somerset. Yeah. Um, Have there been? T- wow, that is such a a different way of thinking about it yeah yeah because I, and i think because a lot of the discussion that sort of i hear at the moment as well like in inequality or feminism in london it's like you know if you wear a headscarf then you do that defiantly wherever you are which is quite different from saying actually you know why would i be doing it in the first place mm, and mm, and now mm. is it going to be appropriate in this setting or not i don't and I, there's no weakness in that for me and people just don't seem to seem seem to look at it like that. I mean, there was there was one really interesting one of these silly YouTube videos, frankly, with these little like <laughs> social experiments they do. And it was some, I think it was a uh, uh, Hispanic lady walking down the streets in New York. So she walked the same route at the same time of day, wearing normal clothes, nothing outrageous, um, and then wearing headscarf. And in terms of the and just recording the the comments that people made and this sort of thing. So. The, the first time through dressed normally as it were and this was through you know some rough neighbourhoods and all this kind of stuff was like borderline sexual harassment you know mm. physically on and a whole load of different comments and, and all from men? yeah all from men yeah. mm. and then when dressed conservatively she was left to get on with the day yeah. yeah I guess the um the way that a lot of people that I know would would respond to that is that that is an issue with men? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that, and you're, that, totally, the, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Covering up yeah. is not the solution to that. That yeah. women that that's a um, that's actually a fundamental issue in the way that men feel that they can treat women. Um, and that's yeah. not no. You're not wrong. That's not a biological We're, thing. That's a social thing. And and I guess but, but biological but, or social doesn't make it any less real. The the pushback that I hear a lot in my community in the communities like oh, just you know, girlfriends or whatever, is just, hey, 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 hey. This is like, go. This, you should be able to wear a hijab, you should be able to wear a mini skirt, you should be able to wear whatever you want and not yeah. have a guy yell. Yeah, yeah no, but no, no, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. As, as, this is where I can play my role as like, in between, sure. hearing both, of just, yeah, like the problem might be with men, but as you say, the problem is there and so I think the problem is is when the responsibility gets pushed 100% in either direction mm. the problem shouldn't be pushed 100% onto men I don't think and the problem shouldn't yeah. be pushed 100% onto women to have to change the way they dress yeah and so then you are left with a bit of a dilemma because it's much it's much easier to be polarized when it comes to a discussion like that and it's mm. much easier mm. to just like go to one end of the spectrum um, and be like you know fuck men essentially <laughs> Which, which you know, is perhaps not right either. And and the and the problem is that if if a if a woman's knee jerk reaction in that is like that's a problem with men. So yeah. then I'm going to dress even more the way I want to dress. Necessarily, it might result in respect from her friends who understand her, but it's not necessarily going to yeah. result in more respect and therefore more safety. Do you follow like do lots of men that you know? follow female scholars 
Um, that's a good question. Um, it depends what you mean by follow. I mean, there are female writers. I mean, Mum, for example, has written yeah. a number of books. There aren't many in terms of getting in front of a camera and mm-hmm. and yeah. but I mean, and, this and up on a platform yeah. and this kind of thing. But but certainly, there's. I don't think there's any concept that just because a scholarly opinion was held by a woman, it's necessarily any less valid. And, 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 and I do guess... Do you think so, it's it time, though? Do you think but, 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 and then, and it, so, like, even, you know, um, in in Somerset, in this incredibly sort of unconventional um, community of Muslims yeah. who are probably predominantly British converts all with very weird stories and then and then some people from you know a culturally muslim background as well and practicing their islam in these like cute little british cottages and you know all of this is going on but actually the the those circles are led by men and i i've never seen seen anything else in a way and 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 that's like the most liberal kind mm. of Progressive interpretation. interpretation. I don't. I can't. I don't know much about this to actually say it because we all say that when you don't know, it's better to not say and listen. But it is. It is like like a leader should be a man and. In certain as in certain aspects, I think and and actually this is this is again an interesting point and one that sometimes people tend to gloss over and sometimes like a sort of perhaps elephant in the room that people might not want to talk about um, in terms of something that is a fundamental difference genuinely is between how you might look at things from an Islamic point perspective and the the perhaps mainstream Western view would be that men and women have some fundamental differences and that's unarguable yeah you know that, you know no, nobody could say that they don't um, and what would Islam's like view of what the fundamental differences are? Well, I mean, in in terms of in terms of simply physically, for a start, sure, you know, yeah. you know, sure. if if a person's walking towards you, ninety nine point nine percent of the time you're going to know whether they're a man or a woman. It's not. It's also there's like when people say you know it's all men. Is it because men are more special? That's just not true because it's easier for women to go to heaven than men. Like. For example, when this is a bit sensitive, when we have our period, like we can't pray because we are unclean. And automatically people think a woman are unclean. But during that seven period, that seven day period, the angel is praying for us and that's a perfect pray where men could just not get that. So it's it's not about like men are more special. But I think it's, it's interesting because, yeah, so like that is talking in quite... Um, Deep. No. Well, I don't know how to put it. Like it's using a lot of like, you know, women are unclean during that period. It's like that's quite a hard, like the way no, the yeah, way that's how that's what that's some what people, people would say. Saying, yeah, but it's not... the way for example, you know, I've this is something that I've struggled with with Islam. Is the is the thing of it's the thing about gender, and not not because I think anything remotely unfair is written or or like ordained as such in the religion but it's more the cultural elements of it and and you know and some of those i and some and some ideas like and this thing where it's kind of like oh well isn't it actually that the man should be the leader like 
I mean, the, but there's, there's, yeah, it's, just, I just come back to with that. Coming back to what Rakai was talking about there is that just, just look at it from a totally different angle would be how mainstream Western culture wants to look at gender, for example. So, as you say, during the time of the month, you don't have to pray, you don't pray, you don't fast, for example. Yeah. Um, Although and, uh, I actually have. Yeah. Like the, but the thing but is, it's, it's, it's leadership. It's it's leadership in 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 what sense? In a public sense. Like in a female yeah. imam. Is there anything that says that there can't be a female imam? There yes. can be female imam for women. For women. Yes. For women. Yeah. But not for men. Okay. What's but, that? What is that about then? Because a woman is a creation that Allah made. That is this beautiful. How do I say it? And her voice is pressure, her hair is precious, it's for, how do I say it, so you're not actually supposed to show it off to men. Because, I mean, part, is, of, part, of, part of what we're be saying is because, 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 because what, in a sense, we do, would say that what we're looking at before is that there are fundamental differences in men that make them unable to or in some cases unable to function properly under those circumstances That's unable to yes so if you're praying right and a woman it, imam is leading and then she's bending down she's rukur like wouldn't that man not look at her bum but what if a man that man's gay yeah yeah but what what if he's fine but what if he isn't but what yeah. if he what if he what if he's the the what and it might only be the one guy in 10 standing in that row what if for for him that's that then just ruins everything from his from his point of view. You you know. Well, I mean, in, you you could say like you say that's sad for men, is, but in the sense it, it is in the sense it is. Men. It's really mm. sad for men. It's not. It's it's like I feel bad for men for this conversation. Really, like that's because what, but also um, I guess is there also conversation in women's circles about like doing the same thing if the man bends over and. You know, well, a, I mean, that's I, a nice I, but. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, that happens to women. But it's but perhaps not as much. What's or, or, or mm. maybe what we're skirting around is like women can objectify and it's kind of fun, like, you know, it's a bit more light-hearted. Whereas it might be that bit more distracting for a man when he does that. I don't know, you know, because this otherwise, otherwise there's no yeah. difference. Yeah, it's just a question I have for for a, a, you know religion in general. It's, it's that balance, isn't it, between preserving ancient rituals and mm. like and real like like going all the way back to mm. the beginning, and then also adapting for. But there's there's the today kind of the kind of sort of almost the the yin and yang look at yeah not quite the same together complete yeah but you know on either side on its own incomplete and. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I imperfect. think I think the problem though is 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 sort of in that yin yang is, is where unfortunately like that sort of dividing line isn't allowed to move for different individuals mm. and because yeah, yeah, there yeah. are a lot of shoulds in religion for the purpose of being able to develop yourself, mm. it's very hard for people not to translate that beyond themselves because the shoulds are for individuals mm. but for everyone individually mm. but we 
we translate them into shoulds for everyone and yeah. then we create these ridiculous rules and yeah. then we suffer under them. Yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, really like at, at the heart of some of this stuff mm. is actually, you know, it's not for someone else. Equally, as it's, it's not for me to decide whether Rakaya is practising her stuff, right? It's mm. It's also not for her to decide about me as well yeah. and that's you know that's not just not a part yeah. of the practice is deciding for others what struck me most from speaking to zara rakaya and adam is that being religious doesn't necessarily mean that you see things as black and white I liked that a religious person can find ways to be open to both mysticism and political progress. I also liked that a certified midwife, like Rakaya, can believe in both angels and modern science, that Zara can practice her religion on her own terms, and that Adam can be devout and still listen to other points of view. The next conversation is with Shimmy. Shimmy is an Orthodox Jew who lives in Stamford Hill in London. Now, Stamford Hill is a pretty special place. It's home to 30,000 Orthodox Jews and probably Europe's largest collection of black hats and sensible shoes too. I interviewed Shimmy in his home in Stamford Hill while his wife Shelley and their three little girls were out for the afternoon. I never really wanted to attach myself to any, to any group because I saw too much fighting amongst groups, you know, this one doesn't like that group, this one's yeah. against that group, Svadim don't like Ashkenazim, Ashkenazim don't like Svadim, Yemenites don't like Iranis, Iranians don't like Iraqis, Moroccans don't like, you know, and mm. I thought, you know what, I just want to be Jewish. When I was trying to get married, it was very difficult when you're not attached to a group like that. So I just decided, I had a friend who lived up in up north in Khatsar, says a Chabad Yeshiva there, so I just walked in and said, look, I'm here. I just got to love Chabad so much, I thought this is... This is just my path. One of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you and to also get to know more Orthodox Jews better is because there's, there's this amazing thing that happens where Hasidic communities all over the world are able to preserve history and yeah. preserve tradition mm. and are living in very metropolitan areas. You yeah. know, you're living in central London or yeah. you're living in central New York or yeah. Sydney. and But it feels very much like a unit mm. and it's a community and when you walk down the street um, a Hasidic person often won't look at you yeah, even a girl like it's yeah. just you know it's almost like you're invisible and yeah. maybe they think I think I'm they're invisible like you say they, they keep it together so their view is the only way we're going to keep the traditions and the only way we're going to keep this is if we take ourselves out Mm. of everyone else. The only way we're going to do it is if we keep together. Mm. Most of the people here, they, they'll speak to their kids in Yiddish, mm. so they won't have the English, so they can't communicate. They try to stop any communication with the outside world, any contact, and obviously looking, they won't look at the woman because you shouldn't look at a woman because if you look, and then from looking, starts all other things. I mean, I don't need to mm. go into it, but obviously, you know, looking is just the first mm. stage. So for them, that's, they feel the only way they're going to keep it is if they, they seclude themselves. How important do you think boundaries are? Very important. Yeah? I mean, you see, if you, look at, if you look at the Jewish world today, the reason why there's so many people who aren't religious, who aren't connected, or don't even know anything to do with Judaism, is because we, we gave away the borders. 
we lose the borders and you see what do you mean you get by the borders like you know just say no nah, this is not so important mm -hmm. that's not so important ah, this was only you know when we we're living in Europe and this you don't have to do this here and this was only for there and that's why you see a lot of parents they would they wouldn't keep much but they would go to shul on every day but then their children won't even go to shul because that's the only thing the parents kept but for them it's not important anymore Sometimes we don't understand things, but that doesn't mean it's not important and doesn't mean we don't have to keep them. If God commands you to do something, you keep it, whether you understand it or not. You have to try to understand it, for sure. But there's some things which are not understandable to our mind. What, what is a good religious person? Who is that? Well, how would you describe that? I'm not saying you're not good if you're not religious. Yeah, okay, then you're not. I'm just talking about being religious. Uh-huh. You know, you you could you can keep every commandment in the Torah, and you're not a good person. It's not worth all the commandments you've kept is worth nothing. So, do you, when you're with nothing. your daughters, like when you talk about boundaries, like how do you talk? How do you teach them? Like how do you teach them what's right and wrong, and what is what are, like why it's important to follow these rules? Well, at the moment, they don't really ask. To they don't ask again. They're young, so like yeah. they're just whatever they're hearing for them is is the way they need to act yeah so but yeah i will have to deal with that at some stage but certain things like you know that they, they want to go out with short sleeve and i don't allow them and it's hot and they say oh please you know like, mm -hmm. so you've got to teach them why you know it's modesty and we cover our mm -hmm. you know we cover our elbow and we cover our knee and mm -hmm. so now slowly it's gonna it's gonna become an issue but at the moment obviously they're young so. is so in what would be like the average age where people start thinking about marriage. So in the Hasidic community, 18, 17, 18 are married. Chabad, get married a bit later, like, not before 22, 23. I mean, it could be before, but generally, 22, 23. Is it normally through an arranged? It's just, you go to someone who, she's got like... What's her name again? Shadchan. Shadchan. So she'll, have, she'll interview me and loads of other girls and boys. Mm talk to you for half an hour, you know, take your details, how's your personality, what's mm. your interest, blah, blah, blah. And then she'll have men as well, and she'll see, ah, this one likes this, I've got a man, he also likes this, you want to meet, so you'll go out. It's not arranged. No, it's just like online dating, but with a real person. Exactly, yeah. And then you'll go <laughs> out a few times, and if you're interested, you'll, yeah. you'll get married. So we didn't see each other too many times, to be honest with you. I went out with her maybe four times. But uh, in the Chabad, the Rebbe says, like, try and limit it to small amounts because the more the more you go out the more chances it's not going to work because you start saying that this is no good that is no good which are little things you know like you may pick up a little habit after the 20th time you've gone out with, with a girl or a girl with a boy and think you know what, i don't like this habit but then if you would have married you know 10 you know 10 times 10 you know goes before mm. and you see this habit you're not going to get divorced for a little habit i mean i went out four times and i just proposed be such like or because i guess the way that dating works for me is that you know you meet someone and you have a drink and you you hang out but there isn't it doesn't even enter your mind yeah, that this right. could be yeah. someone that you spend the rest of your life with and it's just such a different yeah like, the sure. stakes are totally different yeah. like you i mean here yeah. you're meeting with the goal of you want to get married yeah. maybe not to that but specific clear. girl but it's yeah. clear and yeah. you already know, like, her background, you know, her interests, mm. you know, so you kind of, you already like the person what, before you've seen What do you actually see? But do you see a photo of her too? I, not to this specific woman. I have mm. done before to, like, other... Ah. Stuff, I mean, but to this one, it was... 
this one was a crazy like old <laughs> old style Moroccan woman who lived in Swat on like a high rise building. Yeah. She told me to like be downstairs a building at like a certain time. I looked up, she looked at me, okay, everything's okay. I'll let you know if I know anyone. She had a strong Arabic Moroccan accent. I didn't even know the, her name. I, she said her name is Shirley. So I thought her name was Shirley. My name is Shelley. <laughs> so then my wife, she already went to see her like a few months before. So she called us and said, don't you have any, you know, anyone for me to... So she goes, no, I don't have anyone. And she was about to put that on the phone. She goes, oh, you know, I met someone today. Do you mind living in England? She goes, no, okay, I've got someone for you. And then she called me and she made a meeting. So I came all the way from Swat to Yerushalayim. I guess that the, the, the difference, the difference in any observant religion is that there are so many directions for how to do everything, mm. from how you eat to how you get married. To yeah. And from how you wake up in Judaism. Yeah, yeah. right. Through yeah. How do you wake up? I mean, when you wake up, you wash your hands, you know, you don't walk from your bed. You have, you know, water by your bed and you wash your hands in a certain way. And the washing of a hand in the morning is because of um, impurity, because... Um, that one part of the soul leaves your body when you sleep and it leaves through the nails. So this is like already going into <laughs> but yeah, wash our yeah. hands to get rid of the yeah. impurity. Does doing the like the ritualistic stuff before I imagine like you get up and the chaos of the day starts and you know you're feeding yeah. your girls breakfast and like yeah. getting ready for school, does that is there comfort in that or like just the you know, the thing that stays the same every day? It's just automatic. Yeah. 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 Right like going to the toilet like you just, say, you yeah, just do just... it yeah um want to ask you about trump what do you think about trump i like him you like him yeah why because he does what he says you know he just what he feels he does he's not he doesn't you know give in to pressure so he'll do whatever he you know what he you know whatever he feels is right he'll do with all other prime ministers are not. Why though? What's he? Uh, what's he done? So, like, what made you think that to begin with? Um, well, he's gonna. He wants to sort out America. He wants to sort out all the uh, the immigration problem, which I think is a big problem in America. Um, Obama ruined the whole country. Did you like Bush? Bush was okay. Obama, no. I mean, Obama was pro, pro-Muslim, pro-Palestinian, and 100% against Israel and the Jews. The pro-Trump comes mostly from Trump being pro-Israel. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I also believe he'll make America better. I don't know if he'll make America great like the slogan he's pushing, but I think it'll definitely be better than under Obama. How, so what? What are the policies? What? That, that you like that Trump's been talking about? I don't really know so much, but um, I just think the way he, he'll, run, he'll run the country like he'd run his business, so the country will have to be in profit, mm. you know, which will be good for the people. I think the economy will, will be much better in the next few years. So, it's just really interesting because it's, um, you know, you're talking about politics, but in a way that kind of just relates back to what you care about, which is so normal, yeah. right? You know, it's a, I guess when I um, think about Trump, I think about on one level um, women's rights and, you know, how okay. the way that he talks about yeah. women is yeah. pretty, dis- I mean, if you talked yeah. about your daughters like yeah. that, I mean, 
that's probably not what you would have yeah, ever wanted. Sure. And uh, it's so just on that level alone, it's um, yeah. thinking about well, what matters to me? Does mm. this person yeah, have? Sure. Is it, does they their values reflect mine? No. Yeah. Um, but in this case, you know, he he backs Israel. Yeah. At least you think he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that for him, for you, is that I'm I'm only replaying back what I'm hearing. Yeah. But is that true that that it, that's what matters? And so if another president came in and there, if Trump was Trump, but he didn't support Israel, would It'd be a major problem? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What what gives you hope in this world? What makes you yeah, makes you feel good and hopeful for the future? The Torah. The Torah. Why? What does it say? We know the the Mashiach, the Messiah will come and the whole world will be a better place. There won't be any wars anymore and there won't be any fighting and everyone will know that there's a God. Is the definition of the Mashiach coming that that everyone will know, everyone in the world will believe in one God. Is that what it is? Yeah. Because you know it. Like now you can know it, but you can say now, nah, but you don't really know. It. You can't see it. Show it to me. You know, but then it'll be, it'll be revealed. So you can't say prove it to me. You'll see the, you know, there'll be Godness. When do you think that's going to happen? Any second. Any second. The most important reflection I had after speaking to Shimi was that everyone has a hierarchy of values that are prioritized by different forces. Religion is a really, really powerful force. And despite Shimi really giving a shit about his daughters, Trump's support of Israel, which is bound up in Shimi's religion, trumped the importance of his policies towards women. It was challenging to listen to a lot of the things that Shimmy was saying. And it was also really striking to notice the difference between the way that he saw things and the way that the first conversation with Zara, Rakaya and Adam was, where um, those guys, and it might have been because of my mindset, it might have been because uh, I was maybe a little bit more open and relaxed, that we were able to listen to each other a bit better and to have more of a back and forth about the tensions uh, within religious belief and how that um, sometimes contradicts and sometimes butts heads with um, modern science, modern politics, other things. Shimmy was a lot more black and white and it was difficult at times to understand or to even try to understand where he was coming from. Maybe a lot of people out there are like Shimmy and are fairly binary in their views. But at the same time, maybe there are a lot of people out there like Zara and Adam and Rakaya who maybe on paper you'd think are going to be um, reactionary and binary, but are actually a lot more open to discussion and debate than you would anticipate. Thank you so much to Beth Gibson for being an excellent co-producer and co-pilot. Thank you also to Bushwalking for your music and to Zara, Rakaya, Adam and Shimmy for your time. This is Private Parts. <laughs>